off top leaf sheep sea slug. Check it out. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Look at that. Look at that. Welcome to the Dominique Foxworth Show. I'm Dominique Foxworth. That is Charlie Kravitz. The other person here is Mike Golick Jr. And that is the beautiful mollusk known as the leaf sheep sea slug. What do you feel about that, Michael? It's breathtaking. It's like a water peacock. It's incredible. I, I have to let you get water peacock. That's I like the coolest slug I've peacock, ever seen. Peacock. Have, you maniac. It's not a bug. <laughs> Don't you know bugs have exoskeletons and like six legs, you freaking maniac. I've never been more disappointed in you in my life, bug. Mollusk gate in the pre-show meeting was tearing this family apart. I almost got fired. Because uh, it hurt, for it not hurt knowing my heart. A slug it was a mollusk. Heart. Right. I had no idea you no. hadn't taken SAT prep class to produce the Dominique Foxworth show. SAT prep class? It's a sea slug. It's in the name. Why would you think a sea slug is an insect? I don't know. I thought a slug was a bug. Madness. I feel a like a slug is not a bug. Do you know what a bug is? I, so I feel like a bug is like a vibe. It's yes. like saying Agreed. the Midwest. Like Pennsylvania is ostensibly vibes based the Midwest, even though it's <laughs> clearly not in the Midwest. The same way a slug could be a bug. It just kind of feels like a bug. Pennsylvania, Philadelphia is on the East Coast. Pennsylvania's in the Midwest. It's kind of <laughs> like when I got traded to when I got traded to Atlanta. My teammate at the time, Champ Bailey, who's from Georgia, was like, "Hey," I was like, "All right, I'm going to Atlanta. I guess. See you later, bud." He was like, "Hey, I just want you to know that there's Atlanta, and everything else outside of Atlanta is Georgia." And I understood exactly what he meant because when I got down there, there was a lot of pickup trucks and Confederate flags in Flowery Branch, Florida, and I was not as comfortable, or Flowery Branch, uh, Georgia, and I was not as comfortable as I thought I would be when they said, you going to Atlanta, brother. Like, I'm not going to Atlanta. I'm going to Georgia. <laughs> you, you, by the way, your Freudian slip also beget yeah. another state that does that too, where Miami is so very different than the rest of Florida in a yeah. lot of ways. Miami is different than the rest of America. Like Miami is, it, it definitely feels like an entirely different uh, country when you're there. Hey, this is a sports show and we should talk about sports, kinda. Segway it up. Well, speaking of places in the Midwest, Minnesota, how you like that, oh, Charlie? Oh, see, I was, gonna, I was gonna transition a different way. Speaking of a team that could use Ooh. a trade for Kirk Cousins, Atlanta. Um, but, so there's a, lot, there's a lot of angles we should break down on this Viking situation because Justin Jefferson, he's headed to the IR. Mm -hmm. It's been reported that he doesn't want to rush back for a multitude of reasons, from contract to the fact that it's a losing situation. And that leaves us with a quarterback in Kirk Cousins who's on the last year of a fully guaranteed deal who could be traded to several teams who could be a quarterback away from being competitive, whether Kirk Cousins is that guy remains to be seen. But I want to start with this one. If you guys were the Vikings, would you want to trade Kirk Cousins? So I'm of two minds in this conversation because I have to guard against becoming like TV Jeff. Like I used to make fun of Jeff Saturday because he would get on TV and say stuff that I knew sincere offensive lineman Jeff Saturday does not believe. And I don't want to be that guy who turns into like fantasy GM because I understand the argument for like, well, we're out of it. We're not going to win this year. We might as well get something for this 
asset that we have in Kirk Cousins. I get it. But also, I'm a football player, and I can't imagine how demoralizing it would be to be on that team, to have Justin Jefferson get hurt, and then the team, like, ostensibly give up on the season. No one trade like, when's the last time somebody traded their starting quarterback in the season uh, without, like, a credible backup? Forget without a credible backup. When's the last time somebody traded their starting quarterback in the season? So, I don't know, Mike. I, I can't imagine them doing it. I, I think it's difficult for that reason, too. And I know this is something that you've brought up on this show before and other shows that I always think about is especially early in a coach's tenure while you're still trying to build whatever the culture of that yeah. team's going to be and build winning habits among a young roster at certain areas to have what would then be such a tire fire of a season where it's difficult for Kevin O'Connell to credibly stand in front of his team and ask these guys to sacrifice and build all the habits that you're going to want to build for this franchise that listen, you had the good fortune last year of seeing the ball go through the basket early, right? Kevin O'Connell's got a bunch of year one success that he can point to. And a lot of these things that would underscore those points, but you're too still at time where you're program building as a head coach and to have it be this disastrous, even with everybody already kind of knowing, hey, without Justin Jefferson, it's going to be a tough time for a team that's sliding right now. Does make that difficult, but man, from the top down, like it is hard to look at the situation. The front, front office kind of made the decision already. Kirk's not going to be your quarterback next year based on how they structured this. So the business side does say, man, we got to try and get something while we've got the opportunity. So they're totally at odds here. I mean, I'm glad you brought this up. The great thing about having conversations with smart people is it forces you to come to like new, smarter conclusions. Like uh, we had this conversation with uh, Kevin Clark over the weekend, which ended with a really useful thought. But in here, what you sparked in my mind is one of the head coach's jobs is uh, to like set the, not the mood or the vibe, but there, there's a message to the se to the team for the season. And you don't consider that because we think about players as video game characters sometimes and assets are like, are they hurt? If they're not hurt, then they're hundred percent. We don't think about their feelings and the way that they think about it and the way they're approaching or the culture of the team. It's a long way to get to this point. I imagine if someone came to the head coach and was like, we're trading away Kirk Cousins. His first thought is we have to have a team meeting. What is my message going to be? And right now with Justin Jefferson getting hurt, the message is pretty easy. Next man up, we got an opportunity to show what we made of. They don't think much of us without Justin, like something along those lines, but we're gonna fight. We're one in, whatever, one in four right now. Don't worry, I got your back. This is where we buckle down. We all believe we're gonna need everybody to step up, a little more responsibility for everybody. Traditional coach stuff. What's the message if you trade away Kirk? Well, so this is this and is interesting I, because this is the Vikings general manager who called the team last year a competitive right. rebuild, and then they unexpectedly went thirteen and four. So this is sort of a an fu to the message from that's been going on for like fourteen months. Well, I mean, the message started when um, what was it? Uh, the general manager first got there, and he had a press conference, and they asked him if he wanted Kirk Cousins long term, and he essentially said no, that Kirk Cousins wasn't going to be there. And before he even stepped foot in the building, for real, before he even found his parking space or memorized his route to work, he was still using Google Maps to get there. And he was like, you know what? You know who ain't going to be here? Kirk Cousins. So, like, I don't know. And they've all they've known that for a while. They haven't committed to Kirk Cousins. So that's, that's a kind of constant. But I do think that trading away your starting quarterback in the season requires a team meeting and shift of focus. 
Dominique, I think to your point, like we always hear the phrase people talk about, oh, like they've got a smart fan base, but I think you also have to recognize your players are smart. Mm -hmm. These guys are acutely aware of what's going on. Kirk Cousins is more aware than anybody of the fact that his contract doesn't go beyond this year and that he's likely going to be playing for a different team. So it would require a level of like brutal honesty that doesn't vibe with all the cliches you just mentioned there of like hey guys listen i wouldn't have chosen to do this but the organization decided they needed to do what they needed to do you guys are professionals and whether it's going to be here or someone else somewhere else the pride of what you put on tape is going to be the reason your family eats in the future and that's all you've got like and as you say it like i see you roll your eyes because obviously that's not going to be something that helps your yeah. team play good football yeah it's not even that that is a that is a week 12 message that's yeah. a week 14 message. Yeah. Like that's, that's and they need to keep that one in the pocket. You can't spin that one now. That's when you are two and eight and you got seven whole games left and you're like, man, we in bad shape. Well, listen, like, you know, that that'll last you for a few weeks. That ain't early in the season. So um, the tough thing is what you, what you would want to say is we got somebody behind them who we believe in and, and if they could credibly say that, that'd be a different story. But I, I don't know. I think it's unlikely to happen. Uh, I think it's interesting and fun to talk about if they would teams that I think should be interested is I, I threw out 49ers because of what happened to them last year. Uh, the same thing could be said as Cincinnati if they think that Burrow needs to take a bit of a rest. Are there any other teams like the Jets come up, obviously, or any other teams? And Kirk Cousins, I think, is only $10 million against the cap this year, mm -hmm. so everybody should be able to pull it off. Are there any other teams that should be willing to give up a future first for Kirk Cousins? Future first? If the, if the Vikings get a first, they have to take it. You don't think he would cost a first-round pick? I, I was going to ask you guys I mean, what the compensation basic, would be. I would... I was going to say the only thing that would give me pause on that is just because it's a one season rental. Like so many of the teams you mentioned, he's not going to be someone where it's, oh, you bring him over with the intention of signing him to a long-term deal on the back of that if you are. Because like we're trying to hit a really thin Venn diagram here. I put the Jets to the side mm -hmm. already because I think with the Aaron Rodgers factor of that situation, it's untenable from an interpersonal standpoint to make that kind of sacrifice when you're already pot committed to a guy that clearly didn't respond well the last time someone brought a quarterback into the same party as him, and now would be doing the same thing here in a way at a time where his future is more up in the air than ever. But like the Bengals, probably a mature enough locker room to handle that. But he's clearly not going to be your long term answer. You just spent a boatload on. Joe Burrow so are you also going to spend a first round pick that you're going to need to continue to hit on in this roster right. now in a world where you've paid Joe I, I don't know how that works so a first rounder feels kind of steep now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play and boom on Yeho tequila came in with a smooth assist to hypnotic's tropical fruit finish shaken strained poured it was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills 
and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DF. Maybe, maybe not a first rounder, but I guess my perception is anybody who would uh, want to go after him would be desperate. And the Vikings are not shopping him. This is an unlikely thing. This is like a team that is Super Bowl or bust. And so if someone is Super Bowl or bust and their starting quarterback gets hurt, then a future first is what you're going to get. Um, what you got, Charlie? So I, I want to think it's worth the Falcons because, you know, it's just malpractice having Desmond Ritter throwing the ball to Drake London and Kyle Pitts and overthrowing it by 20 yards every single week and torturing us. Steelers, I mean, it, Kenny Pickett, sorry, you just might not be it. Um, and then you talk about teams that are like, if you're going to you know, put the Bengals in there as one hit away with Joe Burrow, you have to think about um, a team like the Dolphins. Like, what happens if Tua goes down? That's a team that should just invest all in on a, on a uh, Kirk Cousins situation. But I think there's a larger question here. Kirk Cousins has one playoff win. He's a guy who's accumulated a ton of numbers over the course of his career that none of us actually trust. So the reason I, I, I balked at the, at the future first-round pick question is I think there's a really interesting angle here of what is the value of Kirk Cousins on an open market, whether it's trade or free agency this year? Because I'm not sure he's going to be viewed as an actual season-changing franchise quarterback for a lot of these teams. The thing about um, talent and value are tough conversations to have. And we know quarterbacks are more valuable. And value is different to different teams and different people. Kirk Cousins may not, in isolation with his contract, be worth a future first-round pick. However, if Tua gets hurt, Yes. And you're the and you're the Dolphins. Is Kirk Cousins worth a future first round pick? Yeah. Especially because for the Dolphins, if Tua gets hurt again, now all of a sudden you're asking more long term questions there too. So it does buy you that so, stopgap while you're also gonna have to address some other things. Forget that. If you're the 49ers last year, would you have liked to have Kirk Cousins? Like I, I think teams recognize how, how valuable they are if they lost pretty early or in the season. So I guess that's why I say a future first, because anybody, if the, for the Vikings to be willing to trade him, they would have to get a lot of compensation. And, and I, everyone, I, anyone who would trade for him would be very desperate. I, I think that's the thing I discounted is I was thinking of in terms of right now, but yeah. you're right. This is a trade that happens if one of these starters on a contender gets injured. And then all of a sudden, yeah. yes, that and would you completely. I mean, if you were the Vikings, would you move on from Kirk Cousins and deal with all the locker room whatever that we're talking about for a future second or for a couple of thirds? No, y'all gonna have to overpay to get Kirk Cousins. But this is longer than I wanted to spend on this very unlikely scenario anyway. I find the Justin Jefferson... Yes. Uh, negoti negotiating strategy in this a little bit more intriguing to me. Uh, so Justin Jefferson threw, and I assume, I guess I could text Schefter. I don't know if he would tell me the truth or not, but I, when Schefter put out the tweet that he's not going to rush back, I assume that that is informed. Schefter is not generally an opinion it's guy. Probably copy is and paste somebody, from his agent. Yeah, I, that would be my guess, which... Uh, this is an interesting strategy for me. You know me about player power and all that stuff. I normally am all for it. I'm made a little uncomfortable by this. I'd rather him just be like, you know what? I ain't showing up until you pay me and I'll pay the price that comes with it. 
but I get it. Your player, the power dynamics are lopsided, and I'm not sure this is something that I wouldn't do in that situation. You're on a team that feels like it's going nowhere. You're the only player on there that is, I mean, not the only player. You're by far the best player on the team, maybe the best player in the league. Right now you have some leverage. What's the point in going out there and devaluing yourself? It's, it's a very calculated way to think about it that's not football traditionally. Well, can I say, because I had a, this actually proposed to me. I was talking to Jason Fitz about this earlier. Like, if you're the Vikings, wouldn't you be thrilled that he was not on the field? Like, if you're not going to overall tank and take Kirk Cousins and trade him, at the very least, you're taking the best player off your football field, ensuring his health for the future, and if this season continues to trend the way it has, giving yourself a better chance to be up near the top and shouting range for a sweepstakes involving some pretty incredible quarterbacks for next year's draft class, or at the very least, like better players in that draft class. Like there's part of me that says, if you're an organization that's analytically minded, that thinks about the idea of intentionally being a little bit worse or flirting with the demise of your quarterback, like maybe they're like, yeah, no, don't rush back. Like we're going to pay you eventually. Cause we know that's how this is going to go. Why would we try and risk your health in a season that feels like it's going to be a loss? So this is, uh, again, this is something else that I'm going to demand from my staff that they will never give, well, I call it my staff. I demand from our team that will never get, get done. I need something that's like uh, maybe a, a, a big foam hand that like slaps you in the face and says football on it. Because sometimes we get too far away and we get all analytical about this and have to remember that at least two of us are football players. Yeah, and and the idea of being on a team that's like, hey, our best player is healthy and can play, but we gonna sit him down at after week five and be happy about it in order to get better draft picks. Like, I want to be clear that, the that you two football it, players so brought football. this up, not me. I've well, been silent. And I know <laughs> that's but I, that's a, I know that's why I said I want the foam hand to slap me in the face because I'm listening to Mike present this, and it's not Mike arguing for it in his defense. I know that, but present it, and I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> But it's also not me saying intentionally sit him down. It's just the don't rush back yeah. idea. Like you want right. to make sure he's absolutely healthy and protect your incredibly valuable player asset while understanding there's no reason to rush him back. Maybe I got a little bit overzealous with it, but I think that's yeah. at the core of it is the front office is in no rush to get him back. So this idea of this being a leverage tool to me right. would be something that I don't know if I necessarily buy into all the way. Yeah, I just have a hard time. And you're probably right. There are people there that, and if they're in a rebuild, there are definitely people there. At the end of this season, would they be happier if they won three more games or if they were three spots higher in the draft? Sure. At the end of the season, they're happier being three spots higher in the draft. And losing three more games might put you 10 yeah. spots higher in the draft. And then you can get one of those quarterbacks or you can trade that pick for uh, Trey Lance level picks to build you forward but i i just have a heart because i catch myself doing this and i i sure. want a, a way to remember to remind myself that i'm not a fantasy so GM. i have a and how about how about can i, I would just say this is a, a point of clarification maybe this is 
more level-headed response to the idea that this is a leverage play from Justin Jefferson, which is, I don't believe it's actually all that much leverage if we're talking right. about this in the contract yeah, that's fair. context of his contract situation, just because it's in so, the team's best interest now and in the future to make sure he's not rushed back and doesn't injure this any worse. So why do it? That's the thing. And I, I guess it's nothing but just a little tweet. But as we all agree, Schefter didn't send that out for no reason. Someone okayed that is our assumption. And presumably is Jefferson's agent. If you know that he's going to get paid and you're not worried about it, why even put it out there? Why position Justin Jefferson as a villain, which is what he's doing? Like, the fans aren't going to be like, oh, cool. Sure. Actually, a lot of fans are probably thinking like, oh, I hate it. Why are we here? So, Let's just play ball. Oh, I have a Button up your chin strap. Hit put somebody. your hand in the dirt. Wanna, put your hand in the I dirt. I want to connect the nerds to, Walk to it the off. football guys here. Because Justin Jefferson's on pace to, like, shatter every single fastest two record fastest to 5,000 yards first uh, most hundred yard games in the first four years of his career and he's like on the verge of creating an absurd statistical legacy and maybe the first guy who has a chance to put up you know rice-like numbers over the course of his career if he stays healthy and sacrificing most of a season um, to protect the long term sort of runs counter to that how much of those records sort of matter to someone like that. Does Justin Jefferson want to be the guy who's in the club with a young Dominique Foxworth dressed like a generation before, <laughs> like Jerry Rice, where like oh, 10 man. years later, yeah, he's that I, guy. I, I, so uh, when Jerry was 40 years old, he I was 22, I think, something like that. And he was he came to the Broncos from our rookie training camp. So to catch uh, anybody up on that story, what, uh, which, uh, what Snack Pack over there is referencing is when Jerry Rice was in the club with us. With his shirt, um, he we were it was 05, so we were still wearing baggy. <laughs> Jerry Jerry Rice was in that tight stuff. We were wearing uh big chains. He had on that tight stuff and a little skinny chain, so he was ahead of us, but also behind us, and it was weird. Um, uh, no, I don't. I mean, I guess it depends on the person or the player, but I think those things matter more at the end of your career at the, than at the beginning, and I don't think that. It's something that even resonates. It's like either you're a Hall of Famer or you're not. Mm. No one is out here with a with a a, a turquoise jacket that says first to fifteen thousand yards or whatever. I, I don't know what color that jacket would be, but it's about the gold jacket and it's about the ring, I think, and the money. Yeah, I've never been good enough at anything that I've done to be able to have yeah. this kind of like higher order thinking. Like 99% <laughs> of guys are just in survival mode at all times, yeah. which is why I was bulldogging and screaming through stingers on the field and never coming off because I knew if I left, I was never coming back. So I think some guys do like you hear guys and talk about goals before the season where a guy says, I want to lead the NFL in receiving yards or I want to, you know, break this record in my franchise. But, you know, that's just a goal in the same direction as I want to go play my best football and winning football. It's not something that's going to like dominate their psyche. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's fair. I, I've brought this up every time someone over the last few years, when people ask me, you're a football player. What is Tom Brady thinking right now? I was like, no, <laughs> we are not the same. We are not the same. And I'm not saying that either of us are better or worse, but asking me, what Tom Brady is thinking is the same as asking me what that sea slug is thinking. You see that other sea slug I put in the chat? That thing is gorgeous. Mm. A fresh sea Ooh. slug in the chat. Check it out. Um, Check it out. Oh, damn, we got slugs. So let's 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 let's, yeah. let's pivot to someone who's had a really sluggish start to their don't, career. Don't don't come don't, on. That transition don't was good. Hey, that was a great transition. However, 
Give my man a second to react. Don't rush us off to sea slug. All right, go ahead. Okay. That looks like a character from Elden Ring. <laughs> this sea slug is terrifying. It's like a pine cone from a, like a zombie movie. Mm. I don't know what the hell Elden Ring is, but anyway, right. hopefully we can put That's this That's for up Spencer Hall. Oh, shout out Spencer and shout out YouTube. Y'all can get on here and watch these fantastic slugs. All right, All right uh, no more bug talk. Let's go to the Panthers. Because um, there's this interesting article. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's this interesting article about Bryce Young and how he might need a reset. Um, so question to you guys, and I'm genuinely interested on this based on everything we've learned, is should the Panthers sit Bryce Young down for a little bit? So uh, interesting thing about this is it's not about him being injured. I love this as an approach. And I suspect a fellow uh, recovering football maniac who's probably a little softer than people would assume. I know that about Gojo. We both probably, I think, are a little bit more progressive-minded than people think we are. I think that lots of quarterbacks have been ruined. And the whole football mindset that we've been talking about up until this point is like you play through it. Oh, your O-line stinks, your team stinks, you're off to a bad start. You know what? Mental toughness. You're going to get tougher. We'll find out what you're made of. And I can hear my own voice having said that about quarterbacks in the past, where it's like if he's not mentally tough enough to handle this, he's not mentally tough enough to be the starting quarterback going forward. However, I also have said several times that more quarterbacks have been ruined then have been molded. And if you are in a position where you feel like there's nothing to be gained, yeah, a reset would be smart with your quarterback, Mike, right? I assume you agree. Yeah, no, sometimes I think a change in perspective is warranted. Like in general, with a lot of rookie quarterbacks, my thought, especially for a guy like Bryce, who I, I expected to come in based off what he had done in college and how pro ready he was outside of the size concerns to be able to come in and shoulder most of the load. But we've seen the receiver situation there for what it is. And a lot of the other issues that have popped up and it's twofold, right? It's number one. What do you owe the rest of the locker room also in the midst of this, who is certainly part of a culprit in all this, but if you've got veteran players, if they see a young guy struggling, if you know Andy Dalton can come in right now and just at least steer the ship in a way that gives everyone else a little bit of ease, then maybe there's part of that. But there's also, I think, a benefit of, all right, you've seen the game at full speed now. You've watched what's been going on out here and been drowning at certain times and been able to work through it in other times here. Let's step back. Let's reevaluate. Let's see it now through Andy's eyes or through whoever's going to be out there right now and try and process a little bit differently because all of this like is a reminder this is this season's not the goal for Bryce. Like the reason you get him out early and to take the lumps or that theory of it is hey, you want him to have this stuff banked for later. So he's got some situations that he's worked through, processed through at game speed at the NFL level, yada yada yada. But at the same time, I, I think your point about guys getting screwed up when the situation is completely foobar is warranted. So I think it's a fine line always, but I'd have no problem with them saying, hey, he might benefit from taking a breath here. You're such a dad without having kids. It's amazing. The situation is so foobar. Like, that feels <laughs> daddish to me. I love it. Um, I forgot what I was going to say about this question. Oh, um, the this suggests to me, so, like, I guess taking stock of the situation is important and having long-term view is important. That's not football. It's uh, one week at a time. And what's going to give us the best chance to win this week? And it's interesting because I think that it's possible that sitting him down gives him the best chance to win, and it also gives him the best chance to um, improve and get better. It also suggests to me that there's more problems than just one 
You know, if there's like one issue, we can address it and we can work through it and get better. And what else is there to be gained is probably the way that you should ask this question. And we rarely take stock of it. I've talked to on here and to you before, Mike, about like having that period in my life where I didn't have like a job and it was like, all right, it gives you a second to like evaluate what's important to you and what are the the things you're going to focus on going forward. And I think for Bryce Young, you can't focus on anything when each, you can't focus on improving anything or addressing anything when each week you're just trying to stay afloat. So the point you made is right. Get him some action. Let's see him out there. All right. Now we see what's wrong. We see how we can address it. Now pull him out and dedicate, I don't know, McCown, isn't he out there right now? Or someone else is like, all right. Yeah, Caldwell. I assume that Jim Caldwell, they're going to be, he's going to be focused on them actually trying to win these games. But I guess uh, anybody is like, all right, now this is what's wrong. Let's address this week by week, day by day, item by item, and maybe try to salvage, uh, well, not salvage, but protect this quarterback from being destroyed. Well, this is really interesting. And this gets to the next level of this because we, we know that there's been a deluge of information that he's sort of, that Bryce Young is sort of in over his head right now. But this is not a normal situation. The fact that they traded up for the first overall pick to get this guy. They, they gave up a future first round pick that very well could turn into Caleb Williams or Drake May. And it can't just be about week by week with him right now. When you put that investment in for someone like this, who you're giving up that much for, you have to think of his long-term future. And that, that I almost wonder if that has to be the, the Panthers' saw right now. Whatever is the best to make Bryce Young a legitimate starting quarterback in this league, that's what we have what to I mean, do. I think it's the, the great thing about this decision is I think it's the best for everything right now. Like, I don't think playing him is the best for them right now. I don't think playing him is the best for him right now. I don't think playing him is the best for that future draft pick that they sent away. Like to me, it's something that we never would ever consider because it's so not football, mm-hmm. but it's if you were to ask somebody who did not grow up in football culture or even us who did grow up in football culture, if you lay this scenario out in front of me, I would have never thought let's bench Bryce young unless he was hurt. Mm-hmm. But now that it's laid out in front of me, I'm like, yeah, you got a veteran. This makes sense. This isn't helping anybody on the team right now. This isn't helping him. Hmm. You guys want to pivot to some college football? Of course. Um, Hell yeah, brother. So let's start with the game of the weekend. And I got a question for you guys. One former Notre Dame football player. Um, who would a win be bigger for this week? So mad at Notre Dame. Sorry. Who, who would a win be bigger for this weekend? Why Notre are Dame you or mad USC? at them, Dominique? Because I know, I know why I'm mad. I'm mad at them because... They lost to Ohio State, and then they lost to Louisville and a game that would have been a lot more fun. They blew it by, by not having enough men on the field and then losing to a team that uh, I don't think is uh, as talented as them. That's why I'm mad at them. Yeah, the Louisville one's a bummer, and, and I think all of it, like the strongest feelings come from me because with Sam Hartman, you've got a one-year loner of a guy you know you can play quarterback, and that's been so difficult for Notre Dame to come by is such a sure thing at that position for a while. You've got good kins on the roster. You know, you can you can feel hopeful about the future, but you had it this year. This was your chance to swing big for the playoff and stuff. And now with two losses in the current format, that's gone. To Charlie's question about who would this be a bigger win for? I've said this is going to end up for both fan bases being like an existential crisis game no matter what. Like I used to call 
Um, the I used to call Texas A&M and Miami the two-year home-and-home they had this last year, the Anxiety Bowl every year, because both of those fan bases are always wound so tight about what the future looks like. New coach on one side, Jimbo Fisher on the other. But for both of these fan bases, like if you're Notre Dame, this win is massive and stabilizing things right now because a three-game slide after the way things started for Marcus Freeman last year in the midst of this year that was supposed to be full of so much promise. No matter if the schedule is wild and you're playing your fourth straight night-ranked undefeated opponent in the middle of an eight-game stretch before you've got a bye week or whatever, any realistic thing in there goes by the wayside in favor of, man, you're on this three-game slide for a second year in a row. We were supposed to maximize this quarterback. What the hell's going on in our future? That sky is falling feeling sets in for them. But if USC loses... And now you've had a defense that's been taking shot after shot, had an ugly game that very few people saw against Arizona because it was Pac-12 after dark. But if you're UFC, you're looking and going, all right, we might have one of the better quarterback prospects ever, even by Lincoln Riley standards, which is saying a lot. And if our defense can't get right after we went and overhauled it in the transfer portal, did the thing you're supposed to do in modern college football, how are we ever supposed to believe we're going to have enough offense to overcome that and be a Pac-12 championship team, be a college football playoff or national championship team, because that's the expectation, and you're going to lose Williams after that year. So I think, weirdly, the answer is it's just as big for both because they're both kind of facing long-term issues, but USC does have the added bonus of if they win, they're still in the hunt more so and have more of a margin of error entering a daunting Pac-12 slate for their college football playoff hopes. If they lose to Notre Dame, it's out of conference. The conference stuff's still alive for them, but the playoff conversation and the margin for error drops down a bit. Yeah, their defense is, this game is not going to prove anything about their defense. We know what their defense is. So there's no questions about that. And I think maybe they have higher aspirations, but I think that I know the ceiling on USC. It's much more disappointing for Notre Dame to be coming into this game with two losses because I thought that Notre Dame had a much better shot than USC of getting to and advancing in the playoffs, uh, particularly with the SEC schools not looking as strong as they have in the past. So it's sad that Notre Dame is coming into this game already out of it, and it's pretty unfortunate because I, I would like to see you happy. I would like to see you um, with your chest out when you guys had to play Georgia in the first round. And then it wasn't fun to laugh when Georgia steamrolled you guys. But either way, now it's not nearly as fun. And I was fine being that meme for a while because it meant we're still better than 95% yeah. of college football. Like being better than Georgia and Alabama and those teams, that's hard stuff. But being better than everybody else, that's been fun. Like we had won 30 straight regular season ACC games before that last one. Gosh. Do you know how fun I had with that? Like I don't like to rub people's noses in and often, but every once in a while when the why don't you join a conference people would bark up in my face. <laughs> and to be able to point back at that was great. And now we don't have that anymore. And it makes me sad. Well, uh, on a brighter note, we all get to watch Kayla Williams again. I'm sorry. You're not going to enjoy this one. No, uh, no, no, no. That boy is so <sighs> good. <laughs> it's just so fun to watch. Hey, Charlie, say something nice about Caleb. He's awesome. I don't know. There's a, the, Thank you. The most fun quarterback to watch in college football since Johnny Manziel. There we go. I like it. The rushing style is very Johnny because he's not like a – he's dynamic and he's slippery, yeah. but he's not – super athletic looking when he runs. Right. It's very odd. He runs like Fred Flintstone. <laughs> Fred Flintstone had leg strength to power a car. So uh, I, I give him plenty of respect and uh, more to Caleb Williams though, because he can also throw. Yeah. He's a, he's like, he's a, all right. We got any other college? To he's a square body that can throw. <laughs> he I'm is just not kidding. a square I just body. To How dare you? <laughs> 
Don't, don't disrespect that man. Like, Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Um, I got one. Uh, any other college games this weekend worth talking about? I got about? one quick hitter I want to ask you about, and then we'll get out of here. Um, and it's going back to last week, but it's the story they'll never die. And... I know you're going to hate them leaning into this as the as the former players. If you played for Mario Cristobal, could you ever respect that man again after the way he ended that game? Mike, I'll let you go first. So I, I'll say this. The, the truest point I could say about that dynamic coming off this game is that coach got to walk in and be brutally honest after that happened. Now, to be clear, as the rest of the members on that team, you still had to give up a fumble on that play, which I know was controversial, and Mike Ryan and company want to burn down the ACC officiating because Docker. it looked like he was down. But then you also gave up a drive in under 30 seconds for a touchdown in that point. So everybody's got to wear some of that. But Dominique knows this. The love language of any locker room worth a damn is accountability. And that starts with the coach standing up in front saying, hey, guys, you had won that game. It was ugly. It was close. But I in that moment made the wrong decision we should have knelt it you guys should have won that game that's on me because that's the culture anyone should want to set in any locker room and should always start with the head man we're in this situation i can think of no real sane reason to not be kneeling in that the players are smart enough to see why the hell we didn't, didn't we just kneel it there and so i would say like the real answer is as long as mario cristobal got up and said hey listen that one's on me i made a boneheaded mistake there are no two ways about it I'm going to correct that on my end. We're going to correct the rest of this. You guys should have won that game. As a player in that locker room, I can go, all right, listen, I've made plenty of mistakes too, and that have cost us a game at one point or another, and we can move on with it somewhat. I think that's part of the answer, and you're right. That has to happen no matter what. But I think the rest of the answer is something that we don't know, and only the players on that team know, and maybe people close to the program know, is what it comes down to is the goodwill that he has or has not built with them, with those players. And – Anybody can relate to this, that if it's somebody that you love and care about and you respect and someone who you know has your back, if they make a mistake or do something dumb intentionally, it's not a mistake like this, this, this situation seems like, you will extend them some grace. 
if it is somebody that you already don't like, you think of the person at your job that gets on your damn nerves and you don't trust and ain't as soon as they make a mistake, you are all over them. You're talking about them behind their back. You're like, this always though. I can't trust. They don't do it. It just, it comes down to relationships and interpersonal dynamics. And if they know that Mario's someone who has their back and they know that Mario has done things to put them in position to succeed, they will forgive this. If they don't, they won't. But I do think the next game is huge because these things mount and this becomes a narrative of the team and a narrative of the coach. And you can't shake it because perception is reality. If he has another terrible game, if they play poorly, if he does not coach well, if he makes more mistakes like this, it becomes something that perpetuates itself and becomes a problem. You, so I think the answer to that question comes down to how they feel about him before he made so that wait, decision. Do you have a separate group chat when I'm bad on the show that you just continue <laughs> to text people about over and No, no. No, I love you. So anytime you're bad on this show, I'm like, don't worry about it. That's my guy. He going to come through. He going to come through. Up until today when you called a slug an insect. I was going to say, that one felt like a real breaking point to change in your guys' relationship I was worried about. <laughs> it's Dominic made me think of kickers there because they're always the guys where they've got they're, – they're your teammate and you love them for the most part. But all of those – like to, my favorite phrase about that is always trust is gained in drops and lost in buckets. And so – for kickers, you've got so few opportunities to build that trust, and you see him in the lounge playing cards during camp. All the rest of you are out there putting your body on the line, and you look over during individual, and you see them like dropping the football, doing the fake punt, or <laughs> farting around on field three. And then all of a sudden, it's time yep. to kick for the idea of either winning a game or even in practice, like, oh, you're going to run sprints unless our kicker nails this 47 yard field goal. And you're out there hyping your boy up, and you're getting ready, and you got his back. And then the minute he misses, you're just on oh, your breath kicker <laughs> yes that's it that's it like, that's exactly it. <laughs> fortunately mario has a, a lot more opportunities to touch the players and um uh and gain their trust and respect so hopefully for them and for our friends in miami i, I hope they pull it together uh, that was sucky mike ryan once called me on facetime when no when miami beat notre dame in like 2017 and facetime me he told me before the game when we win i'm gonna facetime you and i'm gonna show you my and sure enough, as I was driving from Manhattan, Kansas, back to Kansas City, he FaceTimed and showed me not his bare but his clothed in that conversation. I want to say uh, it was very big of me to not say anything to Mike while this was all going down here. I consider that personal growth for me and my Giannis year. Uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> this is Giannis year for you. Congratulations. I'm, I'm proud of you. That is growth. I'm disappointed in Mike. You can't threaten and then show people jeans. You threaten show I mean, follow through anyway. Thank you for not showing me your day, but showing your with the hottest takes in the business. The bed maker himself, Mike Golick Jr. Appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, buddy. All right, um, Charlie, thank you. We'll work through our issue about um, animal classification. We'll be, we'll be fine. Thank you for everything else you've done, though. And also, thank you to our great producers, Brian, Kevin, Megan, Serafina, and the good people at Podville for that beautiful studio that I'm not in. I miss it. I'll be back on Thursday. I love you, baby. That's the studio, not you. I got an A in environmental biology in college. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.